Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Well, good evening and welcome. Excited to have you guys with us tonight, all of you in person, all of you guys online. For those who don't know me, I am Pastor Daniel, and I am excited. Uh, If you were expecting a different Dan, I apologize, Uh, but I am excited to be with you guys tonight. Um, I want to talk a bit about darkness and our response to it. Um, I was thinking about this, I'm like, I think that being scared of the dark is one of the most common, like, little kid fears. Um, There's other fears that little kids have that are that make more sense, like they don't want you to drop them, um, scared of dogs because dogs can be huge and big and loud, depending on what dogs they've encountered. But darkness, why are they afraid of the dark? Um, and, and the darkness leaves them with a lot of questions. They can't see what might be lurking in a dark room. I, I was actually looked it up, I'm like, why are kids afraid of the dark? And it went through and it said, no, they can't see This makes them feel vulnerable. They can feel out of control. And I I started thinking, going, wait, when does that stop? And well, they they say, like, oh, kids about seven or eight should start to put together, you know, that just because you turned off the light, things magically didn't appear. But when do we stop being afraid by things that make us feel vulnerable? When do we stop being afraid when we don't feel like we have control? When are we not afraid when things look dark? And I I begin to think about this because the darkness, when you flick off the lights, isn't the only darkness that we deal with. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, it says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Colossians says that God delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And I got looking at this idea and this picture of of different types of darkness or when we feel like things are hopeless, when we feel like the world around us has gone crazy and has just, is living where sin seems to be taking over. Uh, This this week, uh, I saw a bunch of different people's posts online and discovered there was a lot of people feeling hopeless. A lot of people feeling shocked and like, like all hope was gone. And they weren't sure how to respond. And for those of you guys that are here, you guys are aware we just had an election for, and uh, it was not the result that a lot of us would have liked it to have been. For those that are watching from out of state, out of country, that may be news. But it was amazing to see these different responses. And I can't like go throwing stones because Wednesday morning I woke up and I like got out my, my phone and I'm like, all right, election results. And there was... There's always issues you have opinions on, but there was, there was issues of, of life and some, some big issues. 
And when I saw it and saw the way things turned, my, like, my thoughts went really fast. And when his brain, like, operate too fast sometimes? And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, that was, whoa. And uh, I looked at it, and I'm like, ugh. And you're like, what places have a different government and a lot of hunting land? And like, like you just like, <laughs> and, but, but as soon as I did, God's like, that's not the right response. And like, you're God, you're, of course you're right. But, um, like, but it, just, it held me in check of going, okay, what is the right response when I see the world getting darker? Is the right response to figure out where is there a light that I can run to? Is the right response to, um, to curse everybody around me? Is the right response to figure out what state's got someone different that got elected and go move there? Is the right response to hunker down and go, well, things look horrible out there, so God must be coming soon? Like, what is the right response? And honestly, when I looked online at Christians responding, I saw all of those responses posted. But you look and you go, well, when we see darkness, when we see sin running rampant, what, what, how should we respond? What should happen? And as I begin to look at this and think about the fact that that darkness can seem, it can be so crazy. And it's not just like, hey, when the election doesn't go my way. Like there is plenty of darkness in our world. And sometimes the darkness is from our laws, our government, court cases. It's from what has become normal. It's from political correctness that has shifted so much. Like there's so many different things, but as I, as I looked, and the Bible uses this term of light and dark, but do you realize that light and dark, dark is not the evil opposing force of light, but it's what happens, it is the absence of light. If light and dark fight, light always wins. When you turn on a light, darkness is eradicated unless it finds something to hide behind to block the light. But if you turn off the light, there is darkness. The problem is that when we see darkness in the world around us, a lot of our response is to go, can I hide my light? Can I run with my light somewhere else? and get away from the darkness. But if I run with my light away from the darkness, what happens to the darkness? It gets darker still. But we can look and we can go, but, but I don't know that I can make a difference. But Matthew chapter five, this is, this is what Jesus said. He said that you're the salt of the earth. And then he goes on and he goes, you're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Do people put a light under a lamp uh, a lamp under, and put it under a basket. They light a lamp. So, blah, blah. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. He goes, in a world that's really dark, they should see your light. When things seem hopeless, they should see something different in you. He goes, they should see your works and give glory to God. And it's really easy to look around and go, 
but the whole world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket. It's gone crazy. What can I do? And I got, I, I did, did some looking at this. Scientists will tell you that if there's no light pollution, you get up nice and high, someone was to light a candle in the dark, you could see it from over a mile and a half away. Just a dink little candle. Light is so powerful, but we have to let it shine. Maybe if you grew up in church, you may have heard a little song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. And honestly, that, is, that should be part of our mantra. But as a culture, we've just looked and said, do I approve or disapprove of that which is happening around me? If I don't like it, I complain. And if I do like it, I find something else to complain about. But th that has been so much of what our culture does, but that our Bible says that they should see the light. And it's not something where we're running and hiding. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus says this. He goes, uh, he goes I'm going to build, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I don't know, I can't tell you how many times I heard that verse, I read that verse, and somehow I pictured us like holding the gates and hell not prevailing against us. And then one day while reading it, I'm not sure if it was when I was reading it or if I was hearing someone else preach, and it finally it clicked. Gates are not an offensive weapon. Like, I have never seen someone like, you're going into battle. What do you want for a weapon? Uh, I'm going to bring the gate. I'm going to beat you with the gate. Like, theoretically, you could hit someone with a gate, but that is not its ideal function. Its ideal function is, here they come. I'm going to close the gate to keep them on the other side, to keep them out. When he says the gates of hell won't prevail, he's saying that we should be such a light that we could have such a difference in our world that we would tear apart what, what hell has, that we would be a light, that we would set people free, that we would see lives changed and transformed, that we would see hope birthed in places where they had lost hope, where they would discover the love of Jesus, where they would, their lives would be set free, where the brokenhearted would be healed, where people that are, are broken would be made whole, where they would encounter the love and grace of Jesus and know him. But when we read it, we often, we often leave it from those who need it the most. When Jesus was on earth, the church, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders got mad at Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, why do you hang out with people who have issues? Why do you hang out with people who sin?" Those are tax collectors, adulterers. Those are sinners. Why would you hang out with them? And, and Jesus, because, well, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But a lot of times the church has been like, all right, the world is sinning, so we're going to quickly all hide together in the church. But, but that leaves the world without a light. We are supposed to be a light and the church is supposed to be an equipping ground for us to be charged up and sent out, not a spot for us to hide. 
Um, I heard about a missionary a while back. And, and he went to a country that didn't have much for churches that needed, needed Jesus. And people were supporting him to go do mission work. And so he gets to this foreign country. And when he gets there, he's like, I am going to dive in everywhere that I can. And I'm not sure if he just wasn't ready to start the church or he was not legally allowed to start a church there, but he was like, all right, I'm gonna dive in. I'm gonna get a job and I'm gonna start to be a witness at this job. I'm gonna dive into the community. We're gonna get involved at the the school. We've got a family at the kids. We're gonna get involved in these neighborhoods. We're gonna get involved in every community function that we possibly can. I'm going to share the love of Jesus with anybody and everybody that I bump into. And, And he goes in and he begins to dive into this and begins to share the love of Jesus in this foreign country. And I've heard it. I'm like, that's awesome. Way to go. That doesn't require a foreign country. That doesn't even require a Bible degree. Nothing that he did was reserved for foreign nations. Nothing that he did was reserved for pastors. But he just was intentional and said, I'm going to go be a light in a place that needs it. When I saw things that I didn't like, and I thought, wow, man, what is, what is this country going to come to? How long is it going to be before persecution for people who stand for what the Bible has to say intensifies? And, it, and God just like put it on my heart going, so you're called to a hostile environment. Go be a light. What they do does not give me an excuse not to do. My call is to be a light. Your call is to be a light. And it's it's very easy to think and go, all right, we have missionaries, we have pastors, and it's their job. But Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors and teachers. Verse 12 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Do you realize that pastor's job isn't to do the ministry? Pastor's job is to equip you to do the ministry? It's like a coach. If the coach runs into play in the game, he'll get in trouble. His job is to equip the team so the team is prepared to to play the game. The team is prepared to do their best on the field or on the court. And that our job in the church is to encourage and to equip each other, to challenge each other, to sharpen each other, and to send each other out to go be a light in these different places. But so easy to go, well, but I don't have a a church job. that's, That's awesome. Do you realize that people who don't know they need Jesus don't come to the church to find Jesus? I know sometimes we just think like, oh, the church is going to save everyone. Not if it only happens in the building. But when, when, when we go, oh, hey, we're going to take the church. See, you have opportunities in places that I never will. I will not get a, probably get a tour at your work and get a chance to talk to everybody that you work with. And if I do, they would be like, oh, hey, hi, new person that I have no respect for and no knowledge of and has no right to speak into my life. Well, you're stuck right next to them for 40 hours a week. 
They can't even get away if they want to. But you have an opportunity to go in that spot. What do they see? Do they see somebody who shines for Jesus, who shows them God's love? Do they see someone who's angry, bitter, and complaining all the time? Do you reflect Jesus to them or do you reflect the culture right back at them? And it's a challenge for each of us to look and go, okay, but I am called to be a light. And I remember talking to my friend and, and God was starting to work on his heart and he's like, I, I need to be to work at the church because I am called to ministry. I said, you are definitely called to ministry, but that does not need, mean you need to work at the church. Not saying you can't, not saying that it's not in the, the cards. But he's like, my workplace is so dark. He began to describe the different activities and things that happen there. They need Jesus. He's like, yes. And you get to show them Jesus. He's like, you're right. And he began to shine a bright light and others begin to see it and others begin to be drawn to Jesus. Because we are missionaries. This is your mission field. Wherever you are is your mission field. It is not reserved for somebody else. And, and throughout the Bible, you see this where Moses he had it in his heart that the people of Israel should be delivered. He tried to do it on his own and it didn't work out. And one day when God appeared to him and God said, I have heard their cry. I want to deliver them. Moses was like, yeah. And God's like, I want to send you. And he's like, no. Why me? Why not somebody else? Why not somebody who's more gifted, more talented than me? I have issues. I have insecurities. I have flaws. And God goes, I want to use you. And I think so many of us respond like Moses. God goes, I want to use you. And we're like, what about the pastor? What about the music leader? What about, what about somebody who's got like a Bible degree or something? What about, what about somebody else at my work? Doesn't somebody, and, and Moses went through all of that with God. And God goes, no, 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 I pick you. And I feel like God's doing that to us. I feel like there are people here who have, have had it on their heart that God wanted to use them and you've been waiting for your chance to get in, to work for the church. And I want to tell you something. God gave you a gift. And if God gave you a gift, use that gift and shine where that gift has placed you. Check this out. In Exodus chapter 31, verse 3, it says, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge in all manner of workmanship. This guy was a metal worker. And as you read through these chapters, he's like setting aside people to like put together to like, right, hey, you're going to help lead the worship in the temple. And you're going to like, there's going to be singers, there's going to be priests. But you know, he talks about putting his spirit on? The craftsman. He goes, I put my spirit on him. I gave him that gift. 
He didn't give him that gift so he could go, oh God, God's spirit's on me. I'm gonna leave my gift and go be a priest. No, he gave him a gift and said, hey, could you use your gift to honor me? And there are people who have a gift and that gift actually builds you a platform. It allows you to speak into other people's lives. They look at you and they go, hey, what is it that makes you successful? And you can look and you can go, you know what? I have chosen to put God first. We've got somebody who's, who's actually she's online right now, who has chosen to put God first in her finances when things didn't look good. And I remember when she started attending with us online and she prayed, she said, can you guys pray with me? Because I need work. I don't have enough work. But she started tithing and we started praying and then it wasn't too much longer. And she said, can you pray for me because I need to hire somebody to help me with all of the work. <laughs> and and it, 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 it's been this really cool shift of watching this success. But when you do, all of a sudden it goes, and I have watched her, people go, well, what happened? And she goes, this is when I started honoring God. This is what God has done in my life. This is where God has turned this around. This is where God has affected my finances. This is where God has affected my business. This is where God's affected my health. This is where God's affected my family. And, and when we let him and when we let that light shine, see, when you walk up to somebody and you go, hi, I think you're evil sinner. Do you realize that they are not drawn to the Lord? But when they look and they go, what is it that you have? What's different about you? That now they ask the question, when you walk up and you're like, you need Jesus, they're like, you're weird. <laughs> but when they walk up to you and they go, what's different? How come when everybody else is cussing and complaining, you're not? You go, let me tell you about my Jesus. Now, they've already opened the door. They've asked, and it's an amazing, and it's a powerful thing. That when we see them, we are to be a bridge that carries God's love into places that needs it. They need to see something in us. When, when things are dark, we don't give up. We just install more lights. I was working in my garage a couple years ago. I shot a deer. I needed to process it, and they wanted to charge me too much, so I hung it up in my garage, turned on the light, and discovered that my light does not put off that much light. I got a little work light, and I added it, and I had to like walk around with this light and decided that was a lot of extra work, especially when your hands are bloody. So I went to Costco, and I bought a whole bunch of LED lights, installed them in there, and now when I do something, it's like, boom, it is day. Yes. The solution to the darkness wasn't to give up. It was to get brighter lights. When the world around us looks overwhelmingly dark, the solution isn't to run from the dark. The solution is let it shine. Amen. This little light of mine. And as I, as I started going through this, I wanted to encourage you 
to be a light in those places. And if there's someone sitting here going, great, I don't need to be in the church. I just need to get around these, these people. This is not an excuse to isolate yourself and to surround yourself with people who are, you know are headed the wrong direction. Um, the Bible says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good, good character or good habits. And it tells us in Hebrews 10, to hold fast to the confession of our hope, to consider one another in order to stir up one another in love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. You need to stay connected and stay plugged in. If you unplug the light, it stops shining. Stay connected, stay plugged into a good church. Keep chasing Jesus to get people around you that'll, that'll sharpen you and encourage you, but let your light shine. Do not run from darkness, but let that darkness see the difference in you. Let it set people free. And, and you go, if people were to look at you, what would they see shining? How can they see your faith? Um, and, and it's a powerful question when we go, all right, where are they going to see it? And it's in some of these places where... Um, I have, I have worked in different jobs. And can I tell you something? Where it's darker, it is easier to shine. When I don't cuss at work, nobody notices. I work here at the church now. And so that does not get anybody's attention. They didn't look, oh, look at the love of Jesus flowing through him. He didn't cuss me out. Like, <laughs> they're like, he likes his job and wants to keep it. But... But when I was a roofer, the fact that I didn't cuss opened up doors and conversations. When they're sitting here seeing how many F words they can string together, you, you realize it's not a sentence? For real, I was there when someone shot himself in the toe with a nail gun. And, and you just thought that the F word was a complete sentence, just repetitive. Like, like what? but they saw something different. When, when I did, it was in some of these different spots, uh, I did telemarketing and, and everyone else will cuss right at you and tell you to get a beep, 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 real job. You're like, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> this isn't my hobby. But, but you're gonna encounter all sorts of unhappy, unpleasant people, and I get to choose how I respond. And everybody in that call center around, from, around me watched how I responded. And then you spend a lot of day as a telemarketer with your phone just ringing. You're calling people. And there's conversations that are happening all around this call center. And then as soon as someone answers, you're like, hey, and you just pick up your conversation again when in between calls. That's just what we do. But it was crazy because they're all talking and they're their language was not language I would choose, but they're talking about what they did this weekend and they're like, it was great. Like, like, what'd you do? They're like, I got so drunk, I don't know what I did. I'm like, that does not sound great, but they're like, what'd you do? I'm like, it was awesome. I went to church and this is what God did. And, and after a while, they didn't necessarily want to ask me because they knew what I was going to say. And they gave me a hard time because I didn't drink, smoke, or party like them until something went wrong. And then while they wanted to exclude me from some of the conversations because I wasn't going to have drinking stories to swap, when stuff hit the fan for them, they came to me and said, hey, could you pray for me? 
Because they saw something different, even if they weren't ready for it yet, but when stuff was hard, then they came to me and were like, hey, actually, I need you to pray. This is what happened to my family. This is what happened to my finances. This is what's going on. When, when I wanted, I desperately wanted to see my boss come to know Jesus. Do you realize whether or not my invitation meant anything hinged on what they saw in the workplace? If I looked like somebody else and was like, hey, come, you need what I have, they'd just laugh. But they knew that I was serious about my faith and that it affected me. And it was a lot of prayer. It was a lot of inviting. And I actually got to see my boss come to know Jesus. But I want to encourage you because even people who disagree with you want to see you take what you believe serious. I was just talking to somebody who, when I first encountered them, they were so angry and mad at everybody at church. And we talked and they started telling me about some of the stuff. I'm like, that is so wrong. And they're involved in a church and they're like, this is awful. Like they're showing me this stuff. And I'm like, that sh- you should not be. I called them out on it. I called their church, talked to their pastor or sent them a message. And afterwards they're like, you told on me. I said, I told you I was going to tell on you. I love you. That's wrong though. I'm like, okay. You say and do the same stuff. Got respect for you. It was amazing. They weren't, they were more impressed with me than the people who do nothing. The people who are living, trying to live both sides. Like you disagree, but at least you're honest and you love me anyways. If we can be a light, it changes things. When we look and we go, okay, hey, right here, right now, it's my opportunity. I get to be a light. But for, for some, and, and I, I saw this online this week, there's this idea that going, when I look at these signs, and it comes out of Luke chapter 21, Jesus is talking and he tells them, hey, there are going to be these signs. There's going to be these different things that occur in the end times. Now, when these things happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. But there are some people who look and go, okay, I see so much darkness, I'm going to hide in my basement and say, good Lord, come quickly. Is that the right response? No. Second Peter, chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you read the chapter, this is actually in context of going, why hasn't he come back yet? Why? Because there are lost children who need to hear about him. Let me liken this to, I think it was last week at our house. So going to church early is something that my kids fight for. Like, literally, they will fight for. And normally on, like, Sunday morning, I get here about an hour before service, and so there's a battle to make sure that they're ready to go with me. Because they know I am supposed to be here, and mom is coming later. 
So if they aren't ready, I still come on time. And they get left. So there's a battle always to be ready. But the other day, I needed to go over some things for some, the message early. And so I was going to be coming in at like 7 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. So riding with me wasn't going to be an option. They were so frustrated. But their response was, we'll just be ready. We're just going to hunker down ready. So my oldest boys wanted to, to get here early. So they got themselves ready. And then they went and like got in the van and waited. That did not get them to church early because that left my wife with the two youngest trying to put away all the dishes that the kids had left on the table and get the little ones ready when the little ones weren't ready. And she had to put away all of the breakfast stuff. And then they were really frustrated. And she looks at them and goes, guys, if you want to get there early, don't leave everything for me. You want to get there early? Well, I'm trying to get your sister dressed. Why don't you put away the dishes that are left on the table? Why don't you put the breakfast stuff away and put it in the fridge? Because if you do all of these things, then we can go sooner. Poof. <laughs> Mind's blown. We're waiting for Jesus and he's waiting for you. He's going, do you see that kid over there? I love them. They don't know about me. Do you see that person at your work three stations down who's always cussing at everybody and angry all the time? It's because they're broken. But I love them. I'm waiting for somebody. I keep telling people to go love them and no one wants to love them because they're rude. Will you love them? Will you be my hands and my feet? Will you love them for me? See, because when we're called to shine, that doesn't mean standing on a rooftop telling everyone they're going to hell. That means we get to be his hands and his feet, lifting them up, loving them. Yes, I'm not going to call sin okay, but I'm not going to walk up and lead with, hi, I think you're a sinner. I'm going to love somebody. And you have the opportunities every day. Look at it and go, okay, where am I going to be like? I love Costco. Because most of the places I go, I try to shine, but it's like half part of my job description. And so you're like, all right, does it count? But Costco, I get to go as me. Do you realize how many people are in Costco? Always lots of people. And I get to love them. I get to point them to Jesus. I get to ask them if they want prayer. And they, they're, they're shocked because it's not in church. But when they're like, oh, my wrist hurts. You go, oh, hey, can I pray for you? They're like, mm, yeah, pray for me. Like right now? Whoa. <laughs> but I had the one the cashier. I, I just, she complained because her wrist hurt. I prayed for her. And she's like, you just did that in the middle of Costco? I'm like, yeah, how's it feeling? Like, I, can't, I can't believe you would do that. Do you realize how easy it is to be a light? Do you realize that every time that you go to a restaurant, that you get to be a light? Yes. That you have a waiter. And that when you leave, you can be a witness for Jesus or against him? Do you realize that if you have a spouse, that you're supposed to represent Jesus to them? That if you have kids, 
that you get to represent Jesus to them. And some of us go, oh, crud. (laughs) Apologies are a wonderful thing. And it does wonders when they look and they go, when they hear you say, I'm sorry, that was not the right response. I'm sorry that I fill in the blank. Let me do it better. I want to show you the love of Jesus. And that was not the love of Jesus. That was the frustration of me. Because there's been people, so many people who don't follow Jesus is because they met people who said they did, who didn't. And we get to be the light. See, as I look at it, what if, what if the church saw Christians not as people who were just against abortion, but as people who were for life? What if they saw us as people who supported single moms, who supported adoption and foster care? What if they saw people who, instead of just going, hey, they're against homosexuality, saw people who honored God with our own sexuality and in our relationships? What if they saw both righteousness and love on display? When I look, I go, you know, I don't know. I don't know how long I have till Jesus comes. Don't know if I'll still be alive when he comes but I know I want to take as many people with me as I can. I know that I don't want anyone to look at me and say, why didn't you share? Why didn't you tell me? I don't want anyone to look and go, the reason that I didn't choose Jesus was because I saw something in you and said, I don't want that. I want people to go, you know what? The reason that I'm here is because I saw a difference in you. The reason that I'm here is because you loved me when nobody else will. The reason that I'm here is because you'd stop and pray for me in the middle of the store. The reason that I'm here is because you invited me just because I was your neighbor, just because you met me. The reason that I'm here is because you took the time to talk to me as I served your table. You valued me as more than just someone who was going to get your food to you. You showed me a love. You tipped me like it mattered. And so I listened to what you had to say. I know I want to take people with me because I know the love of Jesus and I know it's amazing and I know that people need to see it so my light needs to shine and when things get dark, I know I need to turn it up and I need to shine all the brighter. And I need to take that light everywhere that I go and I want to invite you to take that light everywhere that you go to turn it up and say, I will be the love of Jesus. I will be the hands and the feet of Jesus in my family. I will be the hands and the feet of Jesus in my workplace. I will be the hands and the feet of Jesus in, in, in this school. I will be the hands and the feet of Jesus in my city. I will, I will shine for him in every conversation. I will not turn to calling names and to being a whining, complaining person because I didn't see the outcome that I wanted or because other people are making choices I disagree with, I will be a light to those people and show them the love of Jesus. And I invite you to be a part of it. As we say this, say, I, I, I need to give an opportunity. If you say, you know what? I don't know that Jesus. And maybe it's because you saw people who should have been a light who weren't. But wherever your story, wherever you are, if you don't know my Jesus and you want to, if you want to receive his love and his forgiveness, he loves you. His desire is for you and he wants, he offers you forgiveness and he wants a relationship with you. 
And if you would like to respond, I want to give you an opportunity this evening. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? Whether you're here, you're watching online, if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't know if you're right with God and you would like to, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you if you're here to raise your hand. If you're online, you can just type in, that's me in the chat or click there if you're on the website. But if you say, I want to follow Jesus, I want to know that I'm right with him. I want his forgiveness. Get ready. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise up your hands nice and high. Awesome. I see your hand. Who else says, that's me? Most important decision anyone's ever going to make. Awesome. All right. Well, the Bible says whoever calls on his name will be saved. So we're going to call on his name. We're going to declare him to be Lord. So I'm going to ask that if you raised your hand or it's something that you've done before, that you go ahead and join me as we declare Jesus to be our Lord. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I make mistakes. I repent for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again, that your blood paid the price for me. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.